okay. The plan had been originally that I would do the 20-minute Fitzroy version of tomorrow night's novena and then cut it to six minutes tomorrow as I reflected on it. But I'm going to do it as we do it, okay? So bear with me here as I try to take the 20 minutes that are in the notes and make it the six minutes I have for the 4.30 service tomorrow. You've read this or you've heard this passage and I would like to be able to go into how, if you look at the whole of Luke's gospel into Acts, how all kinds of fascinating things from Luke chapter 2 right through to Acts chapter 10 on into Acts 15. We don't have time for that. So what I want to do is just give you the sense of what is going on here. Last week, if you were here, last week, by the way, and I haven't time to do that going down different alleyways and getting caught in sidetracks, but last week I came up with a phrase halfway through the service. Who am I to think you might remember? But I actually said it twice. And I said it twice because I'd never heard it before. And I thought, that's really interesting. I'd really like to write that down. And I remember thinking, it's okay because I'll be able to listen to it back tomorrow. It's one of the few services in seven years that for some reason wasn't recorded. And I don't have the phrase. So could you all just take shorthand and everything that I do um, from here in? Last week was so crucial, I think, to the Gospels. We saw that story of the, the sinner woman, as I call her, coming in and gate crashing the party with the, the religious police not wanting her to be there and Jesus working his way between law and grace and all of that stuff that is so central to what the Gospel was about. And there it was in this short drama. Today, Cornelius and Peter and this story that Philip has read some of is almost the same for the the early church. It's a moment of drama that expresses and reveals so much about what the church is going to be. And I think is a very prophetic text into what we do in the Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship, what I'll be doing tomorrow as I cross the threshold of mercy into speaking at a novena, or even what we, Martin and I, were given this award for today. It's a fascinating text in those contexts. And I want to start Not where I was going to start, but where I'm starting now. And way back in the 90s, um, early, maybe late 80s, early 90s, I was the assistant minister in First Antrim. And when I was coming to Belfast to hospitals, I always, or meetings, I always tried to come a different route so that I wasn't bored in that M2 and might fall asleep listening to Bob Dylan or whatever else. So one night I took a wrong turn somewhere on the other side of Lisburn. And, um, and you're going to ask yourself, how, how did a wrong turn on the other side of Lisburn get you to where I'm going to tell you ended up? I suddenly realized that I was coming into a part of West Belfast that I'd never been in before. Now, I was the guy that in Union College, Room 27, had an Irish flag on my wall from the first year. So the colors and the flags, I didn't think they bothered me. But I drove into a part of West Belfast that I'd never been in, and it was incredibly disconcerting. I just knew the colors said something about who I was and who they were and that I might be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it is late 80s and early 90s, so there might have been other stuff going on in the news that was making me feel particularly uneasy. The graffiti, it just wasn't what I was used to. Even though I didn't see myself as this naive Balamina boy who flew the Union Jack and didn't understand the Irish thing, I was still way out of my comfort zone and way out of my depth and felt really a knot inside of myself that was just glad when I moved out of that somehow into neutral colors, if you can find those in Belfast. I think it must be something of what Peter was feeling when he's asked to go to see Cornelius. This is uncomfortable territory. 
This is outside his conditioning. Ken calls it the womb where you're shaped, the safety of a womb where you're shaped and what your streets tell you about who you are. And then he talks about the the midwife birthing process and how from the safety of the womb you're thrown out into a world that's a little bit more scary and disconcerting. That's why you get that first loud cry maybe from a baby and for the first wee while they're saying what are we doing out in this big world it was really good when I knew what was what and I don't know a lot of what's going on around me just now Ken talks about that and he talks about it in his book and I want to talk about it as that moment when Peter crosses the threshold of mercy into Cornelius's house a Roman centurion, and of course, Luke chapter 7, Jesus had been talking about Roman centurions before Peter went into Cornelius' house, and that might have influenced him being obedient to God's Holy Spirit leading him in here. But this is a Roman centurion. Think about that. They're putting people on crosses. Oh, they put Peter's mate on a cross. This is somebody who's a Gentile. This is unclean. This is not the place we're supposed to go. And it's certainly not the place we're going to go and find the God that in our womb we know is the right kind of God and our kind of God, and they really know nothing much about that. Peter is crossing a threshold of mercy. Peter is crossing a threshold that's uncomfortable. Peter is crossing a threshold that where he was formed in the womb of Judaism was telling him that he really shouldn't be doing it. This is not what you do. And yet God had told him to go. And he goes. And something fascinating happens. I think in our evangelical story of the last 150 years, this is another story of conversion. Peter goes in and Cornelius gets saved. The way the Ethiopian eunuch gets saved. The way the Philippian jailer gets saved. The way Lydia gets saved. The way Paul himself gets saved on the road to Damascus. The Acts of the Apostles. It's all about conversions. It's all about people coming to faith. It's wonderful. It's an evangelical story. Wait a minute. Let's look at this story again. And we don't have much time today. So think about it when you go home and read the whole chapter. This is not so much about Cornelius' conversion. This is about Peter's conversion. This is about the Christian church's conversion because they're going to get flipped on their head at this moment that changes everything from here in. Peter goes somewhere and God's already been. Cornelius calls for Peter. The Holy Spirit has told Cornelius already to call for Peter who'll explain to him what God's already doing in his life. Peter goes into Cornelius' house and finds God's already there. That's not what he was told. That's not what the womb said. This is a, mid, this is a new birthing of prejudice are being destroyed. All kinds of things are expectations, the preconceptions, the perspectives. They're all being converted in a brand new way that, of course, as we look back, if we go to Luke 2, we see that this has been the plan all along from the start of the way Luke records the Gospels and into the Acts of the Apostles. But Peter... Peter didn't have Luke and the Acts of the Apostles to ponder as he went to do this frightening and scary thing. Crossing the threshold of mercy, crossing the boundaries or the barriers that we have, can cause us not only to be those who give mercy, but we find we might be the people who receive mercy. And that's what happens to Peter And the church, their conversion is that all their preconceptions, all their prejudices, 
all the ways they saw where God should be and would be and wouldn't be are just smashed to smithereens with God's new way of taking the Gospels from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And I've had those Peter moments. I sat in a Catholic church in Shanghai, the first one I was ever in. Not the first Catholic church I was in in Shanghai, the first Catholic church I was in. I was nearly 30 years of age. And I sat there with all my Balamina preconceptions and prejudices, and I can remember what I sat thinking at the time. I remember thinking, as I looked around this Catholic, I think it was a cathedral in Shanghai, I remember thinking, is God not here? Is all that I learned in the womb right? And that God wouldn't have anything to do with this because these people aren't Christians and these people don't know God and I need to get back to the purity of who I am because I was a wee bit annoyed that day because the leader of my uh, British Council of Churches group had asked me to give my gift from Belfast to a Catholic priest in Shanghai, the only Catholic priest we were meeting on the entire trip and I had to give my Belfast gift to a Catholic. Are you there? Are you in this building? And it's a moment, because I can remember where I was sitting, and I don't remember most of the rest of the entire trip. But that was a moment where I was Peter in the place of Cornelius, and I was sensing that God was there. But it was a wee while longer before I met Father Jerry and Alexander all. Am I going to go across? Am I going to cross that threshold of mercy and shake a Catholic priest's hand? Am I really going to do that? Because he's a Catholic. He believes this, he believes this, he believes this. And we don't believe he's a Christian. We don't believe God's with him at all. Am I going to... Cr I crossed that threshold. What did I find? More mercy coming back the other way than I ever give to Father Jerry. Or was it meeting Father Gary in chaplaincy and finding that he had an evangelical, evangelistic personal relationship with Jesus, understanding of the scriptures that I was told no Catholics had? Or was it Father Martin in Starbucks and realizing from the first cup of coffee we had that we were not only brothers in Christ, we were born a month apart. I'll not know what age he is and for another month's time I have no idea how he copes with his age, but I'll be able to tell you in a month's time. What happened there? What happened there was that I knew that the Holy Spirit had interrupted a cup of coffee to say to me, you've crossed the threshold of mercy here and look at all this mercy coming back. Look at what I'm doing that you were told was not being done. Well, it is being done, so will you get on board and become a part of it? Oh, it was uncomfortable driving through West Belfast. It was uncomfortable in that Catholic cathedral in Shanghai. It was uncomfortable crossing the Alexander Hall to shake hands with Father Jerry. It was uncomfortable that first time that I stood up at the Novena a few years ago. It was uncomfortable at the Ardesh. It was uncomfortable, less so maybe, in Starbucks with Father Martin. But the Holy Spirit smashed my prejudices. And he showed me that he is in places that we can sometimes be told he's not. And that if we cross some of those thresholds, we might find him. And I was told that God's mercy for me needs to overflow out of me into some of those places that maybe the early church were keeping themselves from until Cornelius and Peter had a cup of coffee, thank you, Philip, or a meal in Cornelius' house.
What is the threshold of mercy for me this week? Well, it is the novena again. Thousands of them. I was told not to go to Fitzroy as minister because they talked to Catholics. The day before, Ian Hart phoned me to ask me if I'd be interested in a call to this place. My colleague told me, you wouldn't go there. They talked to Catholics. So tomorrow at 4.30 and 9 o'clock and 10.30, there's going to be a sea of them. I'm petrified. What are they going to do to me? What thresholds of mercy do we need to cross? And when we cross them, what kind of things happen? Peter's gone. So I can be really honest. This award, whatever it is, and we don't think we deserve this award, but we're taking it because you don't get much of what you do deserve in this this job I do. This is a mark of Fitzroy and Clonard and four corners. This is telling me that when we cross our thresholds of mercy, it's not about reconciliation and peace only. It's about mission. Peter Osborne and the Community Relations Council don't need to have time for the church, but they've seen something in what we are doing that takes Jesus onto the streets and lifts Jesus high and draws people to the things that Jesus does. That is mission. That is mission in its very best instance. Fitzroy, you do it. Clonard Fitzroy, you do it. Four Corners Festival, you do it. We need to continue to do it, even when others tell us not to go to Cornelius' house. Give us the theology of why we shouldn't go. Tell Tell us why it's wrong that we go. We need to listen to the power of the Spirit who through, through crossing the threshold of mercy into our lives allows us for that mercy to overflow into the lives of others and a lot of the time finds mercy flowing back to us from the places and the people that our upbringing told us to least expect it. Let's continue to do it. Let's continue to be missional in this ministry of peace and reconciliation that Fitzroy has because the city are noticing and as the city notice. Jesus is exalted and thanked. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that Peter was courageous enough to follow the Spirit. And we thank you that your Spirit's way ahead of us and was with Cornelius long before Peter reached him. We pray that we would be those who would be pushed out by your Spirit into uncomfortable places that would cross the thresholds of mercy in our generation and that would make us those that as we reach out in mercy might be wonderfully and beautifully surprised as mercy comes flowing back to us and that as those two places of mercy meet, maybe our city, maybe our city would get a picture, an image, a vision of what the mercy of God is when we cross our thresholds. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.